and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Going to talk to you, uh, Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily. Maddox jumps on the show at 4. Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator at BYU, will join us at 5. We'll ask him how spring ball is going, but also what he thought about his uh, protege, Zach Wilson, in his pro day. So a lot of stuff to uh, talk to Coach A-Rod about. No doubt about it. Nice get there, Austin. Yeah. Yeah, Austin. You know, he does what he does. He's good at what he does. Yes. Unlike uh, you and I. What? Why you put yourself down? Well, I struggle. Everybody knows. <laughs> You're very good at what you Everybody do. Everybody knows. I just get propped up by you and, and Tim Lacombe. It's cool, though. I'm, I'm used to it. It's all right. <laughs> no, not at all. It's all right. Not at all. Austin, too, often props me up uh, most days. Uh, but looking forward to talking to uh, Coach Chiesa. We'll get his thoughts on, on what he's seeing out of this Utah Jazz team. You know, Jake, at some point today, I although you're probably loath to do it, we got to address what Doc Rivers said about who the best teams in the West are. Yeah, we can, uh, we can get to that coming up. He certainly gave his thoughts, and Jazz fans had a reaction over the weekend, I know. So we'll talk about yes. that. Yes, they did. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, making his weekly appearance on the show, longtime jazz assistant coach, really in the in the NBA for a long time. He's our good friend, Coach Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. That is terrific. Uh, did you watch college basketball over the weekend? Yes. In, my, in case you're wondering, in, uh, my pool is being wrecked from the very first uh, day on, so... I called, uh, let's quote uh, Charles Dickens of Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Well, at least you had some best of times mixed in. No, he did. No, no it's good. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. March Madness is really, uh, it's great for the players and for the fans. And all the alumni of the schools, they come out in full force. I know because of the pandemic, it's much different feel. But generally speaking, it's, a, it's really a great venue. Gordy, can I ask you a quick question about college basketball? Because uh, uh, I have had this discussion with a few of the folks around, and uh, I, I just, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time really loving it because it is such a step down from what we see in the NBA, and it's, it's not like uh, anyone can expect college kids to be at that level, but. It's it's it is that step from the NBA to college ball these days seems like a steep one. Very much, and the reason why is the style of play. Teams play with zone often in a game, and generally speaking, now there's always an exception, but the coach is really over coach during a game, and so the players really don't showcase their individual talents to the extreme, and so that's why when you evaluate them in college. You've got to see those uh, 
rare moments when they're able to get the ball in space or to create contact if they're driving or when they really are great knockdown shooters and when, when it's time to make clutch plays that they can do it. So that it's a it's much different game. The game is absolutely slower. It's more zone orientated, and there's a lot more range as far as offensively. So, for example, let's segue to that. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's averaging 25 points a game, and at Louisville, he was a good player. But you could see what the Jazz saw in him, the trade for him during the draft to get his rights, and the rest is uh, Jazz folklore. So he'd be a classic example. He's a much better professional player than he was in college, even though he was good in college. Coach Chiesa is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk about the Jazz. What do you think? Um, well, let me let me uh, throw an opinion your way, Coach. I, I was surprised with how Saturday went against Memphis because the Grizzlies made great adjustments in the second half of Friday's game and played really, really hard. I was surprised that the Jazz uh, beat them as badly as they did on Saturday, just given how they played Friday. Very much. That was a 117-114 a hard-fought game on Friday night. And the game on Saturday night, it was a knockout punch from the beginning, led by Donovan Mitchell. So Donovan uh, got himself absolutely going uh, early. Dylan Brooks, who's a good defensive player, got two fouls in the first quarter, and that made Donovan even, even, even more effective. He always was effective, but even more so as far as him getting the ball to the basket and making those shots. He was absolutely dazzling as far as his shot displays. He goes at 12 for 17 and 5 for 7 from threes. So the Grizzlies had a slight letdown, and Donovan Mitchell wouldn't let his teammates uh, not play hard from the beginning, and the Jazz knocked him out. Interesting, Jake, though. So with that said, though, the Jazz play uh, Wednesday night, this Wednesday down in uh, Memphis. So we'll see now uh, what team is going to uh, play as far as do the Grizzlies remember what happened in Salt Lake City or do the Jazz go for the, go for the juggler early in that game on the road to beat them again for three straight times. Gordy, Jake and I were talking about this a little bit earlier about Donovan Mitchell stressing he wants to come out to play with aggression. Now he's been – people have noticed that sometimes – he he pushes forward a little with a little more strength in the fourth quarter, but and he has wanted to even that out a little bit. Why is that so important? What's the big deal about aggression early? It puts the defense on its heels. So when you're aggressive with the ball, and Donovan was most of the time, is that he's able to make plays off the dribble, and it puts so much stress on his defender and on the help defense. And once you enter the paint area off the dribble, the three-point game opens up. If you just play catch on perimeter where you're passive, you're throwing way too many lateral passes versus striking passes or striking dribbles, that's when the defense now has to rotate out of weakness versus staying solid out of strength. And once Donovan penetrates, he's got those two options all, all the time. Rudy on the lob pass, short corner spacing, or he has to kick out, to a, to a kick out to Royce O'Neal or if Joe Ingles in the game or Michael Conley's in the game. He has so many different options. That's why the Jazz have the best spacing in the NBA. They're number one. It's an intangible, but the, but the optics tell us that the Jazz are absolutely number, number one as far as maintaining spacing, and that's why Donovan is able to make plays because the defense now is, has to stay, uh, stay more uh, uh, spread out versus what, come in the lane earlier. 
Coach, I want to talk to you about the trade deadline and then start with the Aaron Gordon to Denver deal. Uh, Austin and I were talking before the show. I believe you have history coaching with uh, or coaching Aaron Gordon, right? You know him a little bit? I know him very well, and I worked for the Magic for five years. He was there when the Magic drafted him. I was a consultant full-time, so I saw him play, play many times. He's a major talent. They just they just couldn't quite be as consistent as, uh, as far as overall performance. But now he gets a do-over. He came out after his freshman year at University of Arizona, so he's way too young, which most kids are. But now he's on a team where he'll be probably the third or fourth option, and he's got serious hops in his legs, and he's, he's very, very uh, gangly and talented. So that was a terrific uh, get by the Denver Nuggets. Hey, we love Paul Millsap, but by the way, Millsap's age 35 with a lot of wear and tear in his body. And so Paul's lost some of that bounce to his game. Now they get Aaron Gordon, and now Millsap can bully ball the second unit will say uh, power forward slash stretch guys as far as he plays against add to that they added JaVel McGee because in their world now in the Nuggets God forbid if Nikola Jokic is an early foul trouble I didn't say get hurt is that they had no as far as no big man backup it couldn't be bowl bowl so they signed uh, they traded for JaVel McGee who gives them an experienced shot blocker for them so they helped themselves tremendously and Jake, the second one about this is uh, the Portland Trailblazers, one of the Jazz arch rivals. By getting Norman Powell, they combined the two guys they traded into one. So they traded Gary Trent, who's a good player, and former Jazz man Rodney Hood. But they got back in return Norman Powell, who is both those guys in one in one package. Norman Powell uh, shoots 43.9 percent from three-point range and is a very good defensive player. Only Joe Harris and Joe Ingles has shot better from three-point range, over 40%, both those guys, with over 200 attempts. So he takes a lot, he takes a lot of threes, and he makes them. So they helped themselves tremendously, the Jazz arch rivals, Denver and also Portland. And here's the last one, Jake and Gordon, Andre Drummond. So now the buyout market's in play, and so... The Lakers at Andre Drummond. Marco So, again, age 35, so much wear and tear on his body. He played in so many big games. His body's breaking down. He can play in short bursts, but they know that they can't play him at center. And Anthony Davis, who we know is hurt when he comes back, hopefully in his world, about two weeks from now, and playoff basketball, he could be a center, which he is often, but he's much better. Uh, he's, he's good any place, whether he's power forward or center. So by getting Andre Drummond, they play less Marco So, and that keeps Montreal. Harold, who's got, again, live wire as a backup, we'll say quasi-center, power forward to come in the game to, to help them. So Andre Drummond is, is a guy that, in jazz basketball, he's going to try to keep his body on Rudy's. Here's the visualization, Gordon and uh, Jake. High pick and roll, off comes uh, dance dribble, comes uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, rim roll to the basket. Andre Drummond has enough upper body strength and enough what as far as a, a, re, a reaction to it to stand Rudy's body to negate somewhat of the law passed to Rudy. Well, you got that right, Gordy. I thought when I saw that, I thought, man, that's that is not good news for the Jazz. Uh, Andre Drummond can be uh, that kind of force for the, for yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, what happens in playoff basketball and the Jazz are a great team. I mean, they're number one. I mean, the Jazz are title contenders. 
So the, as I mentioned to a colleague of ours, Gordon, in the, uh, this morning in the NBA, the, about the Jazz, I said the Jazz made their, made their franchise uh, trade not this year, on December 24, 2019, when they traded Dante Exum for for Jordan Clarkson. That was that uh, franchise altering where they get a, the sixth man in, of the year on their team, and that guy helped the Jazz tremendously. And so now everyone's trying to uh, get a guy or so during the trading deadline or as far as uh, the buyout market to just have enough bodies to survive a playoff game slash series. What did you think, by the way, Gordy, speaking of Orlando, of their approach to rebuilding. Are you all in favor of that, doing it that way, essentially giving away all your players for future considerations and draft picks? No, I'm not. No, because it's not fair to the players that remain there. And by the way, so tell the fans that we're going to have total rebuild. Oh, for the next two years, don't show up. Do not pay lower bowl tickets of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars per, uh, per, per seat because we're not going to be good. Oh, really? Really? So we're not going to go for two years. And so it's a bad sign as far as business-wise, and that what you want to try to do is rebuild on the fly. And, but it's much harder. So Toronto did that over the last few years, and so did the Jazz originally back when, uh, when John and Carl left. The Jazz built on the fly where, where they um, – that three-year window, they make the playoffs. Then they drafted Darren, uh, Darren Williams. They got Millsap and a great second-round pick, and the rest is history then. And so you don't want to rebuild, total rebuild, because it's not fair to the players remaining and to the franchise and the fans. Coach, I want to talk to you about uh, the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference. This is something Gordon and I uh, talk about, have talked about quite a bit lately. But it seems like um, you know the West has been the better, deeper conference. Not necessarily that the champion always comes from the West, but it has been the better conference for I don't know, Coach, twenty years, twenty-five years. Uh, you know, depending on uh, on uh, how strong you you thought that they were back in the '90s. But why do you think that is? Why has there been a difference? Why has the West been stronger all these years? Because of the coaching, the coaching in the West has been superior and player development. And so the the coaches, generally speaking, and Jake, here's uh, the, uh, the prism of, of those words would be, let's go from 2000 on, because during the 1990s, Michael Jordan himself, he dominated. And then LeBron, LeBron's been in the NBA Finals the last 10 years, he'd been there nine. The only time he wasn't in the Finals when he hurt himself with the Lakers, his first time with the Lakers. So wherever LeBron plays, historically, that team usually, if not champions, the, the minimum in the NBA Finals. So Michael and LeBron, and again, back to another narrative. Oh, by the way, who's the greatest player of all time? Is it Michael or is it LeBron? That's a different discussion for a different day. The West has superior coaches, just generally speaking, and that they draft wisely, but most of all, they fast-track player development, and that's why the West has been basically dominant. You can add to it the late, great Kobe Bryant. You can add to it Shaq as far as in that, in that mix also. So, so, for example, Damian Lillard would be a classic example. They draft him, the sixth pick of the draft. He's homegrown via Weaver State. Then they, next year they, they draft C.J. McCollum. And so the Trailblazers are, are the uh, fifth seed right now, tied with the Nuggets, and they would, they would be very good in the East as far as being one, two, or three in the East. Gordy, we, you're talking about different additions to teams. What do you think of Rajon Rondo going to the Clippers? Is that going to help or not? Well, they're saying philosophically and situationally, without saying it out loud, that we don't trust Patrick Beverly. 
That's what they're saying, indirectly. And so they want a veteran guy that that he's going to pass the ball to them, to the Kawhi Leonard and to uh, and to Paul George on time, on target, and defensively. He has enough um, a foot speed still to be able to guard most of the guys. He can't guard Donovan Mitchell, but most of the guys he can stay in front of off the dribble to, to keep on ball containment. So that they, they believe that he, it's a much steadier influence, uh, Ray John Rondo, in a playoff game than Patrick Beverly, who's more electric, more as far as emotional, and a lot of times he starts wigging out. He gets technical fouls, which I don't mind that, but it affects the, other, affects the rest of his teammates. Also, they're saying that they don't think Reggie Jackson, their backup point guard, if there ever was an injury, that he can, he can help them stay in a playoff game. So, again, read into it as far as the tea leaves, but it gives another guy as far as that's a proven uh, proven um, NBA performer in playoff basketball. Coach, I understand you have a list for us as usual. I do. And the list because, Jake, the, the Jazz are insanely uh, incredible three-point shooting team. Just before the list, this is a segue to it. The Jazz are uh, on pace to set a record for the most three-point shots made per game which they're making right now, 17 made threes per game. And when you watch the game tonight, Jake and Gordon, that the Cavaliers are the worst three-point shooting in the team. So one makes the most threes, and the Cavaliers make the least threes in the NBA at 9.3. Let's add to that now. So individual players. This list uh, today is the total leaders of most three-point shots made this season, the 2021 season. What top... Ten guys have made the most threes. And there's two players on this list that were undrafted, which tells us that, oh, by the way, you think I couldn't play, but I proved you wrong. I can play. And on the list also, there's two Jazz people on this list. Here we go. Number 10 from the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson's made 138 threes. He's shooting 35.6 overall. Number 9. Fred Van Fleet of the Raptors has made 139 threes. He's shooting 37.3. And by the way, he was undrafted. Number eight from the Hornets, Terry Rozier made 144 threes. He's shooting 41.6. Number seven, our own Donovan Mitchell. He's made 147 threes with a career high shooting percentage of 39.6. Number six. From the Brooklyn Nets, he's made 150 made threes. Joe Harris, he's shooting 48.7%, which is insane. All right, number four, as far as most made threes, there's a tie. Zach Levine of the Bulls has made 153. He's shooting 43.3%. And remember, Gordon, back when Zach was back in UCLA, they said he couldn't shoot. And again, he proved it wrong that he can shoot, and he's tied with undrafted for the Miami Heat, Duncan Robinson, also at 153. He's shooting 39.3. All right, number three, the world's greatest shooter of all time. It's not even close. I did coach Ray Allen, Jeff Hornacek, those guys in the top five. This guy's number one, both off the dribble, catch and shoot, guys hanging on his shooting hand. Number three is Stephen Curry's hurt right now. He's made 182 made threes. He's shooting 40.8% with everybody's trying to stop him. And number one, it's a tie with the most made three-point shots this season with 183. 
Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers shooting 37.4, and Buddy Heal of the Sacramento Kings, also 183 made, shooting 38.2. But last point is this. I know you're driving right now in I-15, and you're saying, what about our guy Joe Ingles? Joe Ingles is 26th in the NBA with 111 made threes, but he's shooting absolutely incredible 48.9 from threes. Hmm. Thus, that's my list of this season of the leaders of the most made three-point shot. It's commendable. Jake, I'm telling you, the thing that's so remarkable about those numbers are the shooting percentages. Correct. So they're shooting a high volume. And by the way, we're making them, which tells you that they're, they're Gordon, they, have a, they have such a great form in their shots. Just visualize all those guys. Like, say, Joe Harris. He gets his feet set. It's knocked down. Duncan Robinson, feet set, knocked down. Buddy Heal. For the Sacramento Kings, when he gets the, uh, catches in rhythm and drives his late drive into the shot, he always goes in. And then Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell and Jazz Basketball, when those guys were ready, they're catch ready, shot ready, and confidence ready. And that's why they're in the top ten, all those guys. Also, from a Jazz standpoint, it's emphasized that Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff, they believe in three-point shooting. And it's been an absolutely incredible difference maker for the Jazz. And that's why those guys, I call them green light shooters. And by the way, they always make them. Coach, thank you so much. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Thank you, Coach. That's our friend Coach Gordon Chiesa. Jumps on with us on Mondays. And uh, we look forward to it when he does. I would have liked to have known what Gordy, going back 25 years when he was coaching back in the 90s, what he would have thought of those numbers he just rattled off. That Probably would have been wouldn't, mine. wouldn't believe it. Unbelievable, yeah. <clears throat> Crazy. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting that uh, these great athletes can adjust their games and practice that stuff so that they make those shots, man. They make them. That's the thing. When you're talking about a guy hitting 48% from anybody who's ever gone out on an NBA court and tried to shoot those shots, let alone with someone playing defense on you, it, it is rather remarkable what they're able to do. And, you know, he's talking about Joe Harris. Didn't the Jazz hold him scoreless the other night when the Nets rolled through? Yeah, he didn't play. He, he didn't play after halftime, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they did, I mean, rule changes and things like that have encouraged, you know, probably put the, the progress the league was already on into kind of warp speed, right? True. I mean, true. you're not, you're not, uh, shooting at that rate if the hand check were still a thing. <laughs> Which never should have been a thing, considering it affects the outcome of the shot. Yeah, it was a legalized foul for sure. But yeah. if, if they didn't change that rule... Uh, we wouldn't be seeing some of this stuff. And then, of course, you know, the more they take and the more it became popular and it really trickles down to the, you know, youth levels of basketball, right? And and we're seeing that uh, come to the surface. And, and guys are coming into the league more prepared to make those shots because it's more of a premium all growing up through the system. But, Jake, you've been out on an NBA court and shot those shots. 23-9 is a long way away. And these guys make it look like it's a routine jumper. Yeah, I got you. But do you, you grow up, you know, practicing that day in and day out? I mean, you've been to a uh, what uh, the Cirque du Soleil down there in Vegas, Gordon. You've gone to see one of those. I mean, 
You know, you do anything. You practice anything long enough, and uh, anything's possible, <laughs> right? It's pretty remarkable stuff, too. You make a strong point. But, uh, yeah, I guess the human the human body, in certain cases, is capable of, with practice, of doing some some things that are uh, unimaginable to the rest of us. I watch uh, some of these uh, female gymnasts on the balance beam. Jake, I want to see you try some of that stuff on a balance beam. Think what would happen if you did? It'd be ugly. I, I've seen a uh, a gal shoot a bow and arrow with her feet, and that was at the <laughs> that was at like the the Mill Creek uh, Park crawl or something like that. That's like somebody here locally, like where she's she's standing on her hands on her right? hands and, and inverts her body and has a, a bow and arrow with a a darn what do they call that a compound bow. And hits the bullseye right on the mark. Like Could that. you pick up a pencil with your toes? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's she's marking uh, targets from seventy eight yards. Yeah, she's going going William Tell on her <laughs> partner. He's got an apple on his head. <laughs> Is that a true story? William Tell. Mm-hmm. It's folklore. I have no idea. It's a hell of a song. <sighs> okay. You ever seen those videos of uh, people that are holding like teas in their mouth and somebody drives the ball? Yes, that just seems like such a just a horrendous idea. And and doesn't part of you want to see like not not no. full on contact no. with the face, but just brush no. of the nose? You no. know, like like you just just get Smart. under it just a tad. Yeah, not a thwack to the not, side not of the melon. Like, yeah, you're gonna end this guy's life, but just like you nearly take his nose off his face. No, why would I want to see that? To teach him a lesson, the, the the same way that when the they they super slow mo Joe Ingles popping Campazzo with his forearm earlier this year when they were playing Denver, remember what I'm talking about? They yeah, super yeah. slow mowed that, and it was like, oh, here's the part where his nose almost comes clean off his face. <laughs> you, you can't tell me that you didn't enjoy that just a little bit. Yeah, I I don't uh, I. <laughs> you did. It's, it's like okay. when someone's I, tailgating you. And then uh, you let they finally go around you, and a few miles down the road, they've been pulled over. Yes. Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. And you give it a little honk. As yeah. Going yeah. by. See you, you later. Guys are, <laughs> you, you guys are so freaking mean. How does that mean? What happened? You know, most things in people's lives that manifest as adults, it it it, it, it stems back to something that happened in your childhood. I mean, what what happened to you that you have such a craving for such revenge or whatever? It's not, it is it's not right revenge. Words. It's nothing. And we didn't do anything to the guy speeding past us. We just enjoyed the fact that he got what was coming. I didn't say. I, I did. You see a few you know, exits down the road. He's gone off a ravine. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, he's just getting a speeding ticket. And, and by the way, as a, a slow speed limit driver myself, it drives me bananas when somebody is half a foot away from my bumper. Just just be patient for a hot second and go around me. What do you need to be? Are you going to get anywhere faster? And in fact, I'm going to go slower because you're doing that. Uh, like I'm Jake, not speeding you, you, up. Yeah, come on. You are the world's slowest driver. I admittedly am. But he's not in the left lane. I'm constantly in the right lane. So yeah, they can get around So him you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> So if you put a golf tee in your teeth and let someone seven nine iron you, and you I'm, get it. And I'm rooting for your nose to get clipped. I don't feel so bad. Well, back to the original thought, the fact that the human body can be trained to do the things that uh, some of these experts 
in their fields, uh, like three-point shooters can do. Just, it's mind-boggling. Whatever, whatever the sport might be, you know, it's just what they can accomplish. Just picture yourself even attempting it. Hard to uh, imagine. Speaking of which, you know, Jake, you're about to become a papa for a second time. You know, when when uh, when moms go into that birthing room and they they give birth, that that's pretty amazing too that they can do that because I mean, for most men, that's something we couldn't imagine, right? Yeah, we've all seen the video, Gordon, and I think all of us are trying to block it out. You know, it was the worst, it was the worst part of eighth grade. <laughs> what emergency childbirth? No, the what are, what are they called? The the miracle of birth or miracle of life? That's what it's called. The same video they've showed everybody for generations. I think it's George Burns' kid that's in the video. <laughs> you, huh? And you, it's it's the time when you hear the whole collective room groan. Oh. <laughs> And Makes it's great. I mean, Private Ryan looks it, like a family, right? Family. And, and it's 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 one of those things which I'm actually glad they show in health class. That's like the point of health class. We should all be familiar with the process. It is entirely natural, but it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't attach itself to your psyche at that young age. Well, well we will never your, forget when it, it. When it's your old own child being born, then it's miraculous. Correct. Right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just I saying. I still didn't look. Yeah. All right. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, our guy, Jay Drew, has unearthed some details about uh, Craig Smith's contract to Utah. We'll get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Our friend Jay Drew writes for the Deseret News. He covers Utah basketball and BYU football has details. Gordon? On Craig Smith's new contract. You ready? Let's hear. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go through with some of this that, uh, that Jay has uh, sent out on the Twitter machine. Uh, Jay says the uh, Craig Smith signed a six-year deal uh, with $12.6 million guaranteed. Uh, per his contract at the U, uh, the U will pay $400,000 to Utah State in, quote, partial payment, unquote, for Smith's buyout with the Aggies. Um if Craig Smith voluntarily terminates his Utah contract, he has to pay $11 million for the first year, $8.5 million second year, $6 million third, $2.5 million fourth, and $1 million fifth. No buyout during the sixth year of the deal. Wow, that sounds expensive, doesn't it? Well, it's not a, I mean, that's not a real surprise. I mean, if he just used the Utes as a one-year stepping stone, I mean, where's he going? Like Kentucky or something, and they'll pay that no problem. Um... Let's see here. If his first year base salary is one point eight five million dollars, it goes up by a hundred grand each of this uh, each year of the six year deal. So in two thousand twenty six, uh, Smith will be making a base of two point four million dollars. Uh, and then Jay adds this for some con- uh, context: uh, when Utah hired Larry Kriskoviak back in two thousand eleven, he signed a five year deal that initially paid uh, him nine hundred fifty thousand dollars per year. 
Well, he got that boost from Chris Hill later. Man, keep in mind that this is base salary. I mean, they they yeah. uh, get uh, bonused out for you know going to the right restroom in the facility. So, I mean, this is just what he's guaranteed. Six years, man. That's uh, that's some nice security. Well, that's what uh, probably what it took to get him out of Utah State is they had to give him a longer deal and they had to guarantee he's going to make a bunch of cash regardless. I mean, he can go out yeah. there and and uh, lose every single game. He's still going to get that uh, twelve whatever million bucks. Well, that's twelve point six nice. million dollars. Yeah, nice for him and his family. Right. I mean, they had to obviously make it pretty sweet to get him out of uh, to get him out of Logan. Utah State should take that as a compliment. I mean, he's he's leaving for a pretty significant pay increase. Yep. Well, uh, I, I, f- I figured it had to be a lot of years. I, I, I thought it would be in order to pry him out of there, and, and it was. So he better be good. He better be good because <laughs> if he's not, Mark Harlan just signed away a lot of money. So where where is your expectation, Gordon? Give us, I mean, you do short term, long term, whatever. What uh, what is where are you putting the bar for Craig? I think it might take a little bit of time, but um, I I wouldn't expect him to be in the NCAA tournament next year. Now that might happen, considering what happened at Utah State. He's good. He's good based on everything that I've been able to find out. Dude's a good coach. And uh, so I do expect him to be successful at Utah. And I know there are some limitations there, but I think on the whole, it's a proud basketball program with a nice tradition, just like he said during his press conference. And he's right. And so you get the right man in, the, in that job. Uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to succeed. I would really be shocked if he doesn't. But six years, that, that's... Is that what guys gonna pay? Is that what they gotta do these days to get a, to get a quality coach? Well, uh, it, he'll never see the sixth year. I mean, they'll renegotiate the deal, or he'll be gone. I mean, he's never gonna get that far. Um, but but it's it's a is, way to give him money. I mean, it's a it's a it's right. a way to guarantee him cash. Right, and that's that's nice security to have in a business. It'd be one thing if he was making a hundred grand a year. Something else when the numbers are up. What did you say? Guaranteed twelve point six. Twelve point six. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, that just changed his, his and his family's lifestyle. Right. So I mean, again, you can definitely not blame somebody for for taking that kind of deal. Uh, expectations. I, I think that's an interesting conversation because you know <clears throat> Utah was was okay last year. I mean, not good. I certainly wouldn't put them in that category. But they had a couple of moments. You know, they beat USC. And they've got some players, although Timmy Allen is officially in the transfer portal. We'll see what happens to him. When he took, when Craig took the Utah State job, they still had a player, you know, he inherited by the name of Sam Merrill, who turned yeah, out to be a, an NBA guy. And then he brought Nimi uh, along with him. So he, he brought Kata in immediately, and that was a pretty good recipe for some success. There are a couple players there at Utah, but what does he bring in? And because obviously there isn't enough to go to the NCAA tournament yet but that's the that's the thing with the immediate turnaround because uh, is he is he inheriting an nba guy like sam merrill maybe i mean we'd have to see who stays yeah well traditionally he's won more than twice as many games as he lost right right uh so so he's i i think that pattern will hold i i think he's going to do that at utah and like he said at his press conference why wouldn't he 
you know, it's a great, they have great facilities, great gym. In the past, they've had terrific fans. I think interest has waned of late, but he can resurrect that. I mean, the spectrum was dead, you know, which was really weird because that, that was a, that's a basketball palace. Uh, what a great atmosphere. You and I have talked about that in the past, that uh, on, a, on a good night, it's about the best place to watch college basketball in the state as far as you want atmosphere. Well, that had, that had dried up, and he brought it back. He brought it back within the first year, and that's kind of the way it was at the Huntsman Center. So uh, I think he'll probably revive that there as well. And so, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I think the expectations are high and should be high. We'll see what it, we we'll see who he brings in. I mean that's that's going to be a big deal. How does he recruit to Utah? And how does he go out and sell sell the program? Who's his staff going to be? I mean we still we don't know. I mean, have we seen if he's taken anybody from Utah State? He was asked about that, and he said he had he was going to talk to everybody involved, including the uh, the assistants at Utah now and his guys up at Utah State. And make his decisions. So I, I'll tell so, you what I would do. I would I would go ask some folks in the know, and I'd say who is the number one best recruit that is yet uncommitted, and then I'd hire that guy's dad. <laughs> okay, yeah. There's always a spot, right? Room for one more. Yeah, come on in. We'll we'll make you you know uh, uh, rebound and uh, collect a check. If you were Craig Smith and you could get uh, the best, uh, one of the best top 10 recruits in the country and you had to hire the dad, would you be willing to hire him out of your own pocket? Why would I hire him out of my own pocket? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, but would you be willing to do that? Uh, me personally? Because there's a reason that I would never get into college coaching. After well, he's making—he's—he's got twelve point six guaranteed. Yeah. So he's also cheating. Does it always come down to dollars and cents with you, Gordon? We get it. You've got a one-track mind. I'm just trying to find out what the level of your motivation is. But I mean, should he do everything he can to get a player in there to help him succeed as quickly as possible? Yeah, I think that's the name of the game. All right. Well, one thing is for sure: he gets the most out of his players. So whoever he does get, he's going to get maximum effort out of him. Yeah, is there a Nimi Keita coming with him? Because yeah. not Nimi specifically, but is is right. there a player that he can land, and how long does it take him to land that player? That that's that's the name of the game right there. Yeah, with, with Keita, it really is a matter of you know, could he make more going to Utah or going pro? Well, he said he's going pro, and he almost went uh, pro last year. But was, my it point, was joke, it was a joke. Jay. Was, oh, I see. Could he but make more going I, to Utah? You understand what I was saying? Yeah, there? that they'd pay him to go there. Yeah, I got it. It didn't go over my head, Austin. I I got it. You want to make the Larry Johnson joke? Hey, you're no, you're the I, one that says to pay the college athletes. I hate amateurism. <laughs> pay those college athletes. No, but I mean we can give Craig Smith all the credit in the world for developing players. But let's face it: the fact that he brought in an NBA center to start year one probably helped with those uh, three consecutive NCAA tournament uh, appearance, not appearances, you, you, obviously. You but think, yeah. You think Kata is an NBA guy? I do. Yeah. I, I. Well, what do you mean? I mean, I think he's going to get drafted. Yes. Second rounder. I, I've seen his eyes late first. 
folks are, are super we'll high see. on him, especially the way he's rounded out his game this year. I mean, you look at uh, Kata's numbers, and they're a little bit better this year, but as far as like his role on the team and the way he diversified was big time. And he led the nation in blocks, right? Yeah. Athletic dude can guard multiple positions. I mean, yeah, NBA guy. It helps. Spe- speaking of uh, forcing uh, uh, Austin to play incriminating audio, I wanted to mention it to Austin that I saw a story. It was ESPN, not sure, but they had a story about the five players who could pass Mike Trout as Major League Baseball's best player this season. Well, so what blind person wrote that story? Well, hold on, hold on. I'm waiting for it. Well, that doesn't really fold in very naturally, but we can play it if you want. Pitching isn't the problem. It's Mike Trout. He sucks. I mean, not very clever. But. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a perfect intro. Who are the other players? Uh, Fernando see. Tatis, Ronald Acuna. Let's see. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Vlad Guerrero Sr. <laughs> He's coming back, is he? Still Christian Yelich. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else? Not Bryce uh, Harper. Yeah, Acuna. Certainly not Bryce Harper. Uh, who else is Tatis? Yeah, Tatis, yeah. He's uh, Mookie Betts. No. No? He's and great. Juan He's Soto. Great, Juan Soto. Nah, not gonna not gonna pass Mike Trout, but they're all great. Although you know the Angels do have to overcome Mike Trout because I, I think it's the pitching, frankly. That's what I think. Pitching isn't the problem; it's Mike Trout. He sucks. Hmm. Controversial opinion. I know Bryce Harper sucks, though. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. <laughs> I just bought a Philly set over the weekend. That's too bad. Where are they going to finish in the cellar again? What did you find at the I, DI? Or? I, no, no, I ordered it online, and I, I came this close to getting you a Montreal Expos hat. Sweet. Oh, but I couldn't remember whether you had one. I thought you said you had one. I do. I do have one. Yeah, so that would have been redundant. I'm glad I didn't. All right, stay tuned. We've got a market update coming up next. Mannix at 4. Coach uh, Roderick, uh, BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick, joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Gordon, how did the markets do today? A little mix today, Jake. The S&P was down 3.45. That's a dumpster fire. The NASDAQ, which has really had sort of a... A tough time of late was down 79 points. Jake, you or I both have dealt drugs. <laughs> and the Dow, the Dow was up uh, 98 points. Fun. 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 I like that last one. Who was that again? Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> okay. Can we fun. hear that one more time? Our guy uh, Eric had a, had a good fun, too, in... Uh, 
happy hour oh, he last did. week. I gotta find. I gotta grab that. Yeah. Fun. 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 <laughs> Gordon's still my favorite. Oh, by far. Yeah. Gordon's Fun. Gordon. Fun. 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 <laughs> it's almost lyrical. Oh, yeah, it really is. It, it really is. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.